Welcome to Seven Mile Ministry. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, last week, um, we opened up reading in Isaiah, the fifth chapter. I'm going to read just a little bit of that this morning before we get going. If you have your Bible, it's not, I didn't give them to them to put on the screen there. But if you just take your Bible and hold it up, pretty much cut it in half. You're going, to pop, you're going to open up your Bible probably to Psalm, perhaps Proverbs. But cut it in half and go to the right. And just to the right of Psalm and Proverbs, you'll come to Ecclesiastes and Song of Solomon, and then you'll find Isaiah. This, that's a good way to remember where it's at. Just kind of cut your Bible right in half. That's where Psalm is at. But Isaiah, the fifth chapter, we read a little bit in Isaiah, the fifth chapter last week, and... Not 100% sure what happened, but either Facebook didn't like it um, or there was just uh, some type of a, a glitch there and uh, it, it got bumped, but it, it got rebooted. And So the whole sermon wasn't on there. Um, but I want to read right here in Isaiah, the fifth chapter. And I want you to see uh, something here, the, the world that we're currently living in. Okay? This is Isaiah, the 5th chapter, 20th verse. It says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter sweet and sweet bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. If you've not been paying attention lately, but it seems like to me, things that are evil, if we turn on the television, you look around, things that are evil, uh, they're calling good. And I say they as in the, the media. They call good. And the things that are good going on in the world, you don't even hear about them. Like you don't even hear about them. You hear nothing good anymore, never anything good. Anything that's good is like it's deleted. They don't want you to hear anything good. They only want you to hear everything bad. And the world's going to hell in a handbasket. That's what they want you to hear. And, and uh, they're trying to create you to be what they want you to be. If they can get you to buy into all this stuff, next thing you know, now you're anxious and you're worried and you're stressed. And then the next ad that pops up are pills to help you with your anxiety, your worry, and your stress, oftentimes owned by the same conglomerate. But woe to those call evil good and good evil. In my lifetime of 45 and a half years, um, I can't say that I've ever seen it more obvious that the things that are good are being called evil. Evil. And the things that are evil are being called good. Wow. And things are being deleted and taken off so you can't see. Just like we were preaching the last week and it seems like it was taken off. Um, you look at communist countries. They let you hear what they want you to hear. They let you see what they want you to see. But anyway, that was in the 20th verse through the 21st, but we'll skip on down here to the 25th verse. Therefore the anger of the Lord is aroused against His people. He has stretched out His hand against them and stricken them 
and the hills trembled, and their carcasses were as refuse in the midst of the streets. For all of his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. God is still on his throne. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He hasn't gone anywhere. And what I'm saying is sometimes we want to take things into our own hands. But we need to leave them into God's hands. You, all you've got to do is to live righteously and not get carried away and get over into the unrighteous things. In other words, returning evil for evil. God, God's still on His throne. Amen? Now, um, let me see if I can remember where this one's at. Pretty sure it's Second Chronicles, the 7th chapter. Um, and I think the 14th. Yes, there she is. Second Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name, that's us, that's us. If my people who are called by name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn away from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Well, if there's going to be a healing taking place in this land, it's not going to come from uh, our own might and our own power and our own strength, but it's going to come from the help of God. God's going to do the healing. But what's, what's, what's going to uh, prevent that from happening is people not humbling themselves and people not seeking God. But if there's ever been a time that we need to humble ourselves, turn our face towards God like a flint and stay there, seek His face, and turn from our wicked ways, we, we need our land healed. Amen? Praise the Lord. But you're seeing this, you're seeing Christian people, God's children, like waking up like, wow, uh, I think I need to get serious about this thing. I think I need to get into church. I think I need to get into the Word of God. I think I need to get on my knees and pray. I think I need to seek the Lord. I think I need to engage in praise and worship because praise and worship is very important because you're doing just that. You're praising and worshiping who? Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You're, we're praising God Almighty for what He's done. Is He not worthy of our praise? Amen. It's important. It's very important. So, let's move on to the message for today, shall we? When Satan came in to the Garden of Eden, he does it the same today as he did then. But it's a lie. But there's always a little truth hidden in this big lie. Do you understand? That's how he operates. He operates through men. He operates through women. He operates uh, from the pulpit. Not this one. But he operates from some pulpits. He operates from the office, the mayor, the governor, and and important people. He, he operates through human beings. And uh, it's important to separate good from evil, not to get sucked into that. So, you know, you watch these things, you see these things, you know, it kind of makes you want to retaliate. Does it? Doesn't it? Kind of makes you mad. Makes you mad. I mean, sometimes you're watching a movie and you kind of get mad and you wish you could jump into the screen and help out the good guy. You know what I mean? I see it all the time on Gunsmoke. I'm like, wish I could be there. 
John makes fun of me. He said, you're like an old man watching gun smoke. And he said, are you, do you sit on your couch and pop blood thinners and watch gun smoke? And I was like, yeah, and I chase, chase it, chase them down with some prune juice. So, you know. But Matthew, let's turn to Matthew. Let's get into the, word, the message. Matthew, the seventh chapter, twelfth verse. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Well, there's the law, what we call the Ten Commandments. Basically, love thy neighbor, do unto others as you have them do. What its word is saying here is that sums them up. Because if you do this, you're not going to break the commandments. Amen? So, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Well, that's the golden rule. That's the golden rule. So people have heard that. Whether you've been in church or not, you've probably heard it in school. You heard your mama, your daddy, your grandparents. Somebody says, hey, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. My wife still tells me that all the time. Like sometimes where I'm struggling with something, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And I was like, you know, sometimes if I say, they just need to get a good slap across the face. Just need to get punched in the eye. And she was like, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And I said, well, babe, I'll tell you the truth. If I was doing something that stupid, I would want somebody to punch me in the eye. I really would. If I'm being that ignorant, please slap me. It's a good thing my mother doesn't think like that or she'd be getting slapped so much. That's the golden rule. People don't even know that it's actually in the Scripture. It's the Scripture. And everything, do to others as you would have them do to you. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And it's still not up there. Was it ever up there? Has it been up there? It's not up there. What's going on here? Okay, here. Oh, now she's working. All right. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It's a golden rule. As they do unto you. Okay, I just took it down, but it's still up there. What is going on? Okay, take this up there. We have some kind of... Well... So you've been mistreated, and you want to mistreat those who mistreat you. You want to get them back. You want to get even. But you see a lot of times, especially like in school, and you don't even realize it when you're in elementary or junior high or even high school till you get older and then you get wiser and you re reflect back. But a lot of those kids that come to school and they're mean and they're bullies and they want to pick on people and start fights and all that stuff, you, you, know, you don't know what's going on at their house. A lot of times they're getting mistreated at home by their dad or an older brother or somebody in their family, but they can't pay them back. They can't beat them back because dad's too big or brother's too big. So then they come to school and they take it out on other people at school. You see the same thing at work where a man's at work and he's not enjoying his job and his boss is a jerk and his boss is mean to him and boss does all these things. Now he's in a bad mood and he comes home from work and now he's taking it out on those that he loves the most, his wife and his children. And they're like, where in the world is this coming from? It happens. And men, you need to be careful of that. Women too. It seems like you see it more in men than in women. Or they're just at work and... Uh, 
and they bring their work home with them. Thank you. But then sometimes you see people that bring their home to work with them. You know, working with a guy and, and, and he's just a jerk. And you don't know why he's being a jerk, why he's acting like that. Well, you don't know what he's going through at home. And he brings his, jo- his home to work with him. I've seen people get fired over it, literally fired, lose their jobs because they couldn't leave it at home. And they'd bring it to work with them. But you know what? Getting even, doing to others as you would have them do unto you. But we like to get even. I'm going to get even with them. I'll get them. I'll pay them back. I'll get them. But when you get even with somebody, that's exactly what you do is you do get even. But we're not supposed to be even. We're supposed to be ahead. See, we're righteous. With the righteousness of God, how? Through the blood of Jesus. You're ahead. He's called us out amongst them to be separate, not to go in amongst them and be the same. But then when you uh, reduce yourself to get even, now you're getting even. You're, you're digressing. You're going backwards. Now you're being just like the person who you don't like. Or you're acting just like the person who you don't like their actions. You following me? And I don't know with you ladies, maybe it's the same. Everybody's different. But I know with men, oh, I'll get them. I'm going to get them. Nobody's going to talk to me like that. Nobody's going to do me like that. I'll get them. Every man in here, I bet, has said that or at least thought that at some point in your life. I'm going to get them. And if God doesn't intervene or somebody doesn't intervene in your life to talk some sense into you and remind you that you're better than that, oftentimes you will get them. And you will be even. And you will become the person that you don't even like. Amen? Let's give this thing another go here see what happens. So let's get into 1 Samuel, the 25th verse. No, 25th chapter. Starting in the second verse. A certain man in Maon who had property there at Carmel was very wealthy. He had a thousand goats and three thousand sheep which he was shearing in Carmel. This guy's loaded now. That doesn't mean much to you and I because we don't think about somebody being loaded and having a bunch. Hey, did you see all his sheep? Dude's got a bunch of goats. Now he had a big old house, a bunch of cars, and some boats, and a lake house, and a beach house, and a lot of nice things like that. Amen. His name was Nabal. It's not Nabal. I've always said Nabal. Like Nabal, but Nabal. It's definitely Nabal. You go that Bible out, and you listen to that little guy with that uh, British accent talking to you, he'll tell you, he'll, he'll show you how to pronounce these words. It's very soothing too, their accent. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if they like if they like listen to us and like country redneck accent is soothing to them, I'm not sure. <laughs> but his name was Nabal and his wife's name was Abigail. She was an intelligent and beautiful woman. That's a score right there. That's hard to find, both intelligence and beauty in the same creature. Jackie is one of the few that has found that. You know, with me. 
But her husband was surly and mean in his dealings. He was a Calebite. That means he was from the house of Caleb. While David was in the wilderness, he heard that Nabal was shearing sheep. So he sent ten young men, said to them, Go up to Nabal at Carmel and greet him in my name. Say to him, Long life to you, good health to you in the household, and good health to all that is yours. In other words, go up and bless him. Now I hear that it is sheep shearing time when your shepherds were with us. He heard about it. We did not mistreat them. The whole time they were at Carmel, nothing of theirs was missing. Ask your servants, and they'll tell you, therefore be favorable toward my men, since we come at a festive time, please give your servants and your son David whatever you can find for them. Now, his name, Nabal, his name means fool. He was a harsh and he was a mean man. And what David is saying here, hey, this prophet that you've got, because it was a prophet that's sheep shearing time, this prophet that you're fixing to uh, enjoy or celebrate here, the reason that you've got this prophet is uh, I've protected me and my men were out here for about a year, and we've protected. And basically, David's men, they're bad dudes. At this point in time in history, him, David, and his men were the baddest men walking the planet. If they wanted to go up and kill everybody out there that's tending those sheep, take every sheep, take every goat with them, they could have. And nobody could have stopped them because they're bad dudes. But they didn't. They didn't. They didn't take one thing. They didn't steal anything. They didn't ask for anything. What they did was they just protected. No bandits or nobody came in and stole or took anything. So David's saying, hey, since I scratched your back, you know, mine's itching right here. Can you give me a little scratch back? Can you return good for good? That's basically what he's saying. So he sends these young men to tell him. He says, when David's young men arrived, they gave Nabal the message in David's name. Then they waited for his response. And Nabal answered and said, I mean Nabal, answered and said, David's servant, uh, he answered David's servants, who is this David and who is this son of Jesse? Many servants are breaking away from their masters these days. Why should I take my bread and my water and the meat that I've slaughtered for my shears and give it to men coming from who knows where. In other words, what he's saying, I didn't ask for his help, and you ain't getting nothing from me. I never asked you for any help to begin with. I don't owe you a thing. So, David's men turned around, they went back. And when they arrived, they reported every word. And David said to his men, this, I, I love this part right here. David says, all right, guys, you go talk to Nabal, tell him about all we've done, protect them all, ask him if he'll mind sharing a little bit with us. So I don't know what song was playing, like in that movie, in that scene, but the soundtrack changes right here. And David says, each of you strap on your sword, and they did. And David strapped on his as well. About 400 men went up with David, while 200 Stayed with the supplies. In other words, you ever watch on TV uh, fights, the UFC or any boxing, anything like that? When they're fixing to go out there into battle and get into the ring, they'll usually play a song. That's the song that was playing right here. David didn't like the report. He said, all right, boys, put your sword on. What does that mean? They're fixing to go and just absolutely demolish and wipe them out. His men didn't say, no, David, let's don't do it. No, they're bloodthirsty. They're like, 
Yeah, let's do it. They've already been trying to talk him into killing Saul anyway. And he hasn't done it. You know they're not talking him out of this. So one of the servants, one of the servants told Abigail, and you understand this is why David and his men, they're all getting ready. They're, they're, they're getting on their swords. They're getting on their horses. They're headed um, to, to, to Nabal's place. One of the servants told Abigail, Nabal's wife, Nabal's wife, David sent messengers from the wilderness to give our master his greetings, but he hurled insults at him. Yet these men were very good to us. <clears throat> He's confirming, yes, David was good to us. They did not mistreat us. The whole time we were out in the fields near them, nothing was missing. Night and day, they were a wall around us the whole time that we were herding sheep near them. Now think it over and see what you can do because disaster is hanging over our master and his whole household. He is such a wicked man that no one can talk to him. So Abigail, she acts quickly. She took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five dressed sheep, five seeds of roasted grain, a hundred cakes of raisin, and 200 cakes of pressed figs and loaded them on donkeys. Then she told her servants, Go on ahead, I'll follow you. But she did not tell her husband, Nabal. As she came riding her donkey into a mountain ravine, there was David and his men descending toward her, towards her, and she met them. Now, get the picture of this. This is down in the fertile valley where they're doing the sheep shearing. So it's a beautiful place. And then you're talking about a steep mountain, and the, the, the trail is, is winding down. You know how they get down a steep hill and it's winding. So you see David and 400 men winding down the mountain. I just want you to have the scene in your mind. When she came up and she met, met them, David had just said, it's been useless. All my watching over this fellow's property in the wilderness, so nothing was missing, and he paid me back evil for good. Now, I've been there before. I know you have too. I did all this. I've done all this good. What am I getting paid back with? Nothing. It's like I'm getting paid back evil for good. I've been to church. I've read the Word. I've done what's right. I kept it between the ditches. and It seems like everything's going wrong, and it seems like evil is prevailing. It seems like evil is winning, kind of like we read in Isaiah, but you keep reading and you see how the chapter ended. Darkness does not overcome the light, and it never will. And David says, it seems like I'm getting returned evil for good. Well, that doesn't line up with Matthew 7, 12, does it? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I don't think he had read that. Of course he hadn't because it hadn't been written yet. This is in the Old Testament. But may God deal with David, be it ever so severely, if by morning I don't I leave alive one male who belongs to him. David's going to kill every male in that whole farm. Nabal's place so he can get wiped out. There's going to be nothing left but women and children. That's it. He's killing every male. That's what David's planned to do. That's what he's got his heart set to do. Now, what's he doing? He's returning evil for evil. He's not returning good for evil, and he's not returning evil for good. He's returning evil for evil, which is what we were just talking about. I'm going to get them back. 
I'm going to get them back. And Abigail saw David. She quickly got off her donkey and bowed down before David with her face to the ground. Now that's an important detail right there because you have to understand this woman right here, she's a very wealthy woman. She's wealthy. She don't go falling on the ground and bowing down on the ground. She fell at his feet and said, Pardon your servant, my Lord, and let me speak to you. Hear what the servant has to say. So she fell at his feet. She calls him Lord. Now you notice there the, the L is not capital because she's not talking about the Lord, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. She's not talking about God. She's referring to him, him as Lord. And she's, she says, pardon your servant. Well, she's not his servant. She's the wife of a very, very, very wealthy man. She's got some money. I notice here how she treats David. She gets off her horse falls to the ground, off her donkey, falls to the ground, calls him Lord, and uh, she's being subservient here. Subservient. And uh, she's not really treating David like the man that he is. She's treating David like the man that she hopes he becomes. But she's already treated, treating him like the man that she hopes him to become. He hasn't become that man yet. But she's already treating him that way. She's already being subservient to him. She's already calling him Lord. Are you following me? That's very important. Now as I reflect back on my life and I reflect back on the way that my wife treated me back when I used to be a big jerk. She didn't treat me like I was a big jerk. She didn't treat me like I was that current man. She treated me like I was the man that she prayed for me to become. Always did. Treated me like I was the man that she prayed that I would become. That's important on both sides, not just for the men, but for the women. Don't treat him like the jerk that he is right now. Treat him like he's the man that you're praying for him to become. That's tough to do, isn't it? That's what Abigail did. That's how God treats us. I'm sure I'm glad he doesn't give me what I deserve, aren't you? But I noticed, and I know I reference Gunsmoke a lot, and y'all think it's funny, but Gunsmoke's actually a very good show. The other night I was watching Gunsmoke, and this man was sitting in his house, and he was a wealthy man, and he heard his pig squealing. And he ran outside, and there was a young teenage boy out there in the pig pen, and he was stealing the little pig. And he grabbed his shotgun, and he went out there, and he threw down on him. He said, he fixing to shoot him and his wife ran out she's like don't shoot him don't shoot him don't shoot him he, he's, he's, he's dead said he's going to blast this teenage boy and she's like he's just a teenage boy don't shoot him and she, he said what do you want me to do he deserves to die he's stealing my pigs and uh, different back then different back then and um, she said well just put him on the wagon you take him back home and you tell his parents what he's done so this man loads him on the wagon, takes him home at gunpoint the whole way, gets off the wagon. He's still got him at gunpoint. The mom comes out. She tells the mom what he's done. He deserves to be shot. If he ever comes back over there again, I'm going to shoot him again. This, this man reminds me of Nabal. He was mean. He was angry over just this one little pig. He's ready to kill somebody, take a human's life over one little pig. Anyway, the woman comes out, and she don't start talking to him like he's a mean man. She starts being nice to him. She's like, thank you, sir. I see that you have a really good heart. Because if you hadn't had a really good heart, you would have surely shot my boy. And 
she said, I can tell that you're really tenderhearted and you're kind because you brought him back and you brought him to me. And she starts, she starts really just kind of pouring it on thick. She was, I know, you know, it's, it's wild how these shows come on. Uh, and I, I'm getting ready. To, I just saw this like yesterday. I'm getting ready to preach this. You understand? It's how God, God will talk to you through gun smoke, I'm telling you. <laughs> or through a TV show. And uh, the man was Jed Clampett in the movie. And his wife in the movie was Clara off of Andy Griffith's show. A long time ago. She was young. So Clara's telling Jed Clampett, don't, don't shoot the guy. But anyway, this other woman's being so kind to him, being nice to him. She was talking to him uh, like she was talking to him like the man that she hoped he would become. You know what this man does? This man goes home and he loads that wagon down with some chickens, some pigs, all kind of corn and uh, seeds to plant in the garden. He loads it down and he brings it back to him and gives it to him. Yeah. She returned good for evil. And, uh, of course, it didn't end there. Unfortunately, it took a turn for the worse. Then she tried to steal him from her, his wife and it didn't work out too good. So forget that part. <laughs> but Abigail says, Please pay no attention, my Lord, that the wicked man Nabal, he's just... Like his name, his name means fool, and folly goes with him. And as for me, your servant, I did not see the men that, that, that you had sent out to talk to him. In other words, if I had seen them, met him, it would be a different situation. But don't pay no attention to Nabal. And that's why the Word of God says that you've got to keep your eye on the Word. You've got to uh, keep uh, your ear uh, on the Word of God. In other words, you're not pay, keep paying attention on those things. But we're keeping attention on the Word of God on the things of God. Incline your ear to my saying is what the scripture says. And she says um, in the 26th verse, And now, my Lord, as surely as the Lord your God lives, and as you live, since the Lord has kept you from bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hands, may your enemies, and who all uh, are intent on harming my Lord, be like Nabal. And she says, the Lord kept you from avenging yourself. Well, he hasn't done it yet. She's saying, the Lord sent me to keep you from avenging yourself. Don't go avenge yourself. And I'm sure David's mind went back to how he didn't avenge himself and kill Saul in the cave. And that one time when him and his man snuck down in the camp and Saul was asleep and Saul's spear was stuck in the ground, David didn't avenge himself. He wouldn't let his, his man kill him. Even though his man said, let me kill him. And he wouldn't let him do it. He wouldn't avenge himself. And she's reminding him of these things. She says, May your enemies and all who are intent on harboring you be like Nabal. And the Word of God tells us in Deuteronomy, the 32nd chapter, also in Romans, the 12th chapter, not to avenge yourself. That the Lord will avenge. The Lord will repay. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Hello. The 27th. And let this gift which your servant has brought to you, my Lord, be given to the men who follow you. Please forgive your servant's presumption. The Lord your God will certainly make a lasting dynasty for my Lord because your fight, because you fight the Lord's battles and no wrongdoing will be found in you as long as you live. 
She says that certainly make a lasting dynasty, my Lord. In other words, an enduring house. And in 2 Samuel, you read, God tells David that I'm going to make an enduring house. She said, she's telling him here, God is going to do something in you. God's doing something in you. You're a good man. God's doing something in you. You're a good man. Even though someone is pursuing you to take your life, the life of my Lord will be bound securely in the bundle of the living by the Lord your God. And that, that's like, what does that mean? Your life will be securely in the bundle of the living. What they would do back then, they'd have a wallet, it'd be a piece of leather, and they'd put their money in it, the things that are important to them, they'd fold it over, then they'd have a, a string that went around it, and they'd tie it tight, bind it securely, and they'd stick it down in their belt. In other words, things that were important to them, they kept bound securely. And what she's saying here is, your life to the Lord is just like that, that we bind securely in a wallet or in a, in a purse. But the lives of your enemies will be will hurl away as from the pocket of a sling. You know, you know his mind's got to go back now to when he was just a 15-year-old teenage boy standing in front of a giant and he had no choice but to trust in the Lord because he's no match for this man who's been a warrior since his youth and he's nine foot, nine inches tall. He's got no choice but to trust in the Lord. And what came out of that sling? A rock. You know she's carrying his mind back saying, you haven't avenged yourself yet. You've trusted in the Lord here. And continue to trust in the Lord. He's delivered you before. He'll continue to do it. Why take matters into your hands now? How many times do we get caught up into a little bit of trouble or get in a tight spot? And you have to remind yourself, God's brought me through it all before. Won't He do it again? He'll do it again. He wants to do it again. But many times we get caught up and we take matters into our own hands. Oh, I got this. I'll teach them. I'll show them. They said, what about me? They did what to me? Thirtieth verse. When the Lord has fulfilled for my Lord every good thing He promised concerning Him and has appointed Him rule, rule over Israel. In other words, you're going to be the king. My Lord will not have on His conscience the staggering burden of needless bloodshed or having avenged Himself. And when the Lord your God has brought my Lord success, remember your servant. Let me just make this a little more plain and easier to understand. One day, this is going to be nothing but a story. When we're on down the road, 5, 10, 15, 20, 100, or 1,000 years down the road, this right here, this event, this moment is going to be nothing but a story. This is just a chapter in your book of your life, in your autobiography, but you're writing the book right now. So when they're sitting around talking about old stories, what story will be told? That you went and returned evil for evil? That you went and got them back? That you shed needless bloodshed just because a man wouldn't give you a little bit of meat off of a, an animal or wouldn't help you out a little bit? You went and wiped them off? Is that going to be the story that's told? Because one day this is going to be nothing but a story. But what story will be told? Because this is going to be a permanent page in the book of your life in your autobiography. 
What story do they tell about you all the time? The boys used to always ask me, you know, if we had like a long trip to go to the beach or we're driving a long way, Dad, tell us a story. Just tell us a story. Tell us a story about where you were in high school or about this. Or tell, me some, tell me something about something. Just tell me a story. Well, I have stories to tell. And then one day they're going to tell the stories that I told them. What stories are going to be told about you? What stories are you going to be told, told about me? That we avenged ourselves and we returned to evil for evil? Or that dad and mom did what was right and they returned to good for evil? That they stood on the word. Sure, I've got some pages I like to rip out of my story of my life. I can't go back and change the past. You can't either. But I'll tell you what we can do. We can definitely make decisions that will affect the book from here on out. Amen. And maybe right now you're in the middle of a chapter. How's the chapter going to end? How's the chapter going to end? When she tells David these things, he begins to melt. David said to Abigail, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you today to meet me. She was a godsend. I meet people all the time that are a godsend. Some people tell me I was a godsend. Could you come at the right time, at the right place? Sometimes I call my friends. They'll say, Boy, you called at the exact right time. My friend Ollie's over here today. One time I called him. He said, you called at the exact right time. I'm talking about right now is the exact right time. I've had Scott, my other friend back there, one time he, he texted a man and the guy had a pistol in his hand. He was thinking about committing suicide, but since Scott texted him at that, right, at that exact right time, he put the pistol down and he came to church. So God will use you. A God sin. Amen. Praise the Lord. So David kind of melted here. And um, the woman, let me read on. May you be blessed for your good judgment and for keeping me from bloodshed this day and from avenging myself with my own hands. Otherwise, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, who has kept me from harming you, if you had not come quickly to meet me, not one male belonging to Nabal would have been left alive by daybreak. He was going to kill everybody. She acted quickly, acted quickly. That's what I'm talking about, that phone call, that text, or doing something for somebody. Act quickly. If the Lord puts it on your heart, do it now. Don't do it later. Do it now, because there may not be a later. She acted quickly. Then David accepted from her, Hand, what she had brought from him and said, Go home in peace. I've heard your words and granted your request. In other words, he's not going to kill anybody. Go on home. And when Abigail went to Nabal, he was in the house holding a banquet like that of a king. He was holding it like a king. He wasn't a king, but he was holding it like a king while the real king is out in the wilderness. He was in high spirits and very drunk, so she told him nothing at all until daybreak. You remember when we read it says she was good looking and intelligent? Then in the morning, when the ball was sober, his wife told him all the things that his and his heart felt him and he became like a stone. Let me let me stop here for just a moment. She didn't tell him that night, she told him the next morning when he was sober. From from my end, from a man, let me tell you, when I come home from work, I don't as soon as I walk in the door, I don't want to hear about no bill. I don't want to hear about anything that's broke at the house. I don't want to hear about how I got to beat all the kids. I don't want to hear about how 
something happened at the church and the carpet stained and we got to, you know, or the heat was left on wide open. Now we got $2,500 power bill, whatever. I don't want to hear about that. They just let me come in. I want to take me a shower. I want to eat my supper. I want to sit on the couch with my Klondike bar. And I want to watch an episode of Gunsmoke. Then you can tell me anything you want. But I just need a few minutes to just wind her down. I'm telling you, I'm a man, I'm not a woman. I don't know how women are, but as I'm speaking to women right here, when your husband comes home from work, don't hit him as soon as he comes in the door. Give him about 30 minutes at least. Just give him about 30 just to, I don't know what it is about us, we just need to kind of, kind of settle in. A lot of fights can be prevented if you listen to me. So what I know is I don't talk to my wife when she wakes up. Like I wake up, I'm ready to rock and roll, usually jump right out of the bed most of the time. She does not. She, she's not real talkative first thing in the morning. Which is fine. I'll just be quiet. We'll talk later. The quicker you can learn these things, the quicker you can have a good marriage. But she said it's not a good time. It's not a good time. And his heart, his heart felt him, and he became like a stone. And about ten days later, the Lord struck the ball, and he dies. I heard an old man one time say, you don't have to return. You don't have to pay them back. If somebody does something evil to you, evil people, evil will destroy evil. That's what I heard an older man say. Evil will always destroy evil. You don't have to get them back. It'll come back around. And you notice it says, uh, well, about here about Nabal, that it was on his head. So when David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Praise be to the Lord who has upheld my cause against Nabal for treating me with contempt. He has kept his servant from doing wrong and has brought Nabal's wrongdoing down on his own head. Evil came back around to evil. Then David sent word to Abigail asking her to be his wife. And I'll skip on down to the 42nd verse. Abigail quickly got on a donkey and attended her. Tended by her five servants went with David messengers and become his wife. Yeah. He said, you going to be my wife? He said, she quickly jumped on a donkey. Yeah, she was tired of that jerk. And leaving with that mean man all these years. But don't you just see here, Nabal, don't you see Nabal and David and Abigail? Nabal was turning, returning evil for good. And David was returning evil for evil until Abigail intervenes. But evil for evil is predictable. Usually when people return evil for good, you're like, you know, that ain't right, doing like that. But anytime you see evil returned for evil, that's predictable. That's pretty much the way people roll. That's the way they do it. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. And that's the Old Testament. David was within his rights, actually, because the Word said in the Old Testament, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. They shoot you, shoot them back. They do you wrong, you do them wrong back. That's the way it was. That's the way David was going. But you see Abigail here, she's returning good for evil. She's not predictable. What she's doing is absolutely remarkable. What she's doing is like a type and shadow of Jesus or things that are to come in the New Testament. Amen. Amen. Because Jesus was mistreated. He was terribly mistreated, but He never returned 
Evil for evil, he always returned good for evil. He was wrongfully accused. His own Jewish brothers turned against him. Uh, He was sold out. And then they came and arrested him and told lies about him. Completely ignored the truth, only acknowledging lies. Then they tied him to a whipping post. They beat him. We know the crown of thorns, pluck his beard. Y'all know all the things Jesus went through, nailed to a cross, even though he was mistreated, but he returned good for evil. Praise the Lord. And we're supposed to be like Jesus. He's our example. And Peter writes here in 1 Peter, the third chapter, and he's actually writing to Christians. He says, Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but on the contrary, repay evil with blessing because... uh, to you, to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and His Ears are attentive to their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against those who do, do evil. In other words, he's saying, you got to bless them. I know, but you don't know what they did to me. you got to bless them. I know, but you just don't understand. you got to bless them. This scripture is not modified for somebody that did you wrong in a certain way. It's for all. He's saying if, you, if they do evil to you, you're supposed to return evil for good. You're supposed to bless them, not just put it in neutral. Because a lot of times we do that. I'm just not going to do anything. I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to put it in neutral. I'm not doing anything. But he doesn't say that. He says to put the thing in drive to do something positive for them, to bless them. That's difficult. That's difficult. But that's what Jesus said to do. And Peter, what Peter said is, of course you're being persecuted. As a Christian, of course you're being persecuted. Look what they did to Jesus. They nailed him to a cross. So of course you're going to be uh, persecuted. What do you expect? Amen? In Romans, the 12th chapter, the one I was quoting earlier, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful what to do, uh, to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. To do what's right. Don't repay evil for evil. See, they're going to read the book one day. The book of your life. How will it affect them? How will it change them? If they read the book at your work, how is it going to affect them? How is it going to change them? If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. Now it says to live at peace as long as it depends on on you. Well, you know what? Sometimes um, when you return good for evil or you try to make uh, things right with somebody, they're not going to receive it. They're not going to accept it. They're going to boycott you and be against you no matter what you do. No matter what you take them. No matter how good you are to them. No matter how many apologies. No matter how many cakes you bake them. Bake them. But it says as long as it depends on you to do what's right. In other words, I've done what's right on my end, but I have no control over this other person. If they don't want to accept the apology, they don't want to get along, I'm going to bed tonight knowing that I did what was right in the eyes of God. And unfortunately that happens 
often. For it is written, it's mine to avenge, I will repay. Well, get a hold of this. It's him, it's his to avenge. His to avenge, not you. But he says, I will repay. I know you read that and think, yeah, he's going to pay them back. Now, let me tell you, it says it's his to avenge and I will repay. Who's going to get the payment is you. He says, I'm going to pay you back for what was stolen. I'm going to pay you back for what was lost, for whatever Satan stole from you. I will repay. Even though they won't acknowledge it or they won't accept your apology, I'll repay, says the Lord. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I'll take care of them. Just like we read in Isaiah. He'll take care of the situation. He can do a lot better job than you or I. Amen. You've got to refuse to respond in like kindness. On the contrary, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you'll be heaping burning coals on his head. And you could go on and read the rest of that. But he's going to prepare a table in front of your enemy and you're going to sit there and feast at that table. Your enemy is right there to sit there and watch you. Amen. The Lord will repay. In Matthew, the fifth chapter, the 43rd verse, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. He's saying refuse to respond in like kindness. Because if you do, you're going to be even. Do you want to be even? I don't want to be even. I want to be ahead. Even is easy. It's a lot easier to go get even. It is. It's a lot easier to go get even. It's much harder to get ahead. Praise the Lord. It's your book. It's your book. And these events and seasons in your life are going to become pages and they're going to become chapters and eventually become a book. And like I said earlier, what will be read? What will your autobiography look like? If you're a Christian... You're a follower of Christ. What would it look like if you returned good for evil? What's it going to look like at work? When your co-workers see you as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, you go to church, you go to so-and-so church up there, uh-oh, now you've, somebody's done your wrong. And your co-workers are watching you. What's it going to look like when you return good for evil? What are they going to see? What are they going to see at school? Teenagers? Young people, what are they going to see at school when another kid's being cruel to you and being mean to you and you return good for evil? How's that going to affect everybody around you? What, what story will be read about your life in each and every situation? So when we ignore evil, that's mercy. I'm just ignoring this evil. But when you're proactive and you return good for evil, that's grace. That's how God's grace is. That's how His mercy is. His mercy is you don't get what you deserve. His grace is you get a lot more than you deserve. Amen. The gospel, the gospel that we read, the gospel that we preach, you know what it is. It's God returning good for evil. Evil men, evil women, humanity evil, and God 
returning good for evil, sending his only begotten son to die on a cross for you. He's returning good for evil. You know, and we live in the South. There's good folks in the South. Christian or not, there's good folks in the South. There's people in this, I've seen it my whole life. They may be good folks other places, I don't know. But I know in the South, people are generous. I mean, you need some help, something happens to your house, something's going on, people pull together and they help out. I know people that are atheists that'll pull money out of their pocket and help out, and they'll be generous, and they'll do good for people. And um, so much so that it's kind of expected. And as a Christian, it should absolutely be expected. Generosity should be one of the main fruits as a Christian. We should absolutely be generous. People should say, man, he is generous. He's a generous person. But generosity is kind of expected. But I can tell you that good, returning good for evil is not expected. And we need to do what's not expected, the un- unexpected. And we need to be remarkable. One thing I've noticed in my lifetime, and I'm winding her down here, but one thing I've noticed in my lifetime is that a person who mistreats you controls you if you let it. They've gone on about their business. They've mistreated you. Just like Nabal has mistreated David, he's not thinking about David. He's off having a party, partying down, having a good old time. But David's thinking about it. It's affected David. Other people have mistreated you. They're not thinking about you, but you're thinking about it. And you're laying in the bed thinking about it. And every time you hear their name, you're thinking about it. And it's making you angry. And it's making you mean. And you're laying in the bed at night and you're thinking about it. Because they're controlling you. If you let it. You got to do what they don't deserve. We're paying good for evil. In Ephesians, the fourth chapter, around the 26th verse, it says not to let the sun go down on your anger. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. If at all possible, to live at peace. Amen? To say getting even is easy, and getting even is predictable. But we're called to be remarkable. You know why? Because we're called to be like Jesus. Amen? Did y'all get something out of it today? I did too. As long as you're living and breathing, walking, as long as you're on this earth, somebody's going to do something evil to you. It might be something real simple. It might be a smart mouth, the drive through It may just be a little something, and it may be a big thing. It may be big this week and small next week. But as long as we're living and breathing, let me tell you, something evil is going to happen to you. You can't stop that from coming. You're not in control of that. But what you and I are in control of is what we do once it gets there. What am I going to do with it? I've received this package of evil. Now what am I going to do with it? What am I going to return to them? Well, return the same thing God did. Good for evil. Amen. Praise the Lord. I feel certain that this message is in season today. 
Perhaps somebody was here today that wasn't here last week because I was going to preach this message last week. The Holy Spirit said, no, we're going to do something different. So if you're here today and you weren't here last week, it's for all of us. It's for me. I'm preaching to myself. But specifically, if you weren't here last week, let me tell you, God made this appointment when you're still in your mother's womb. That's the truth. He knew you were going to be here, and he knew what you needed to hear. Amen? It's your, it's your autobiography. You're writing the book. So when people read the book, what are they going to read? What will they read about you? It's up to you. It's up to me. It's up to all of us. The world has to see a difference. The world has to see a difference. He's called us out from amongst the, amongst the world to be different, and the world has to see a difference. The only difference can't be sitting in a chair on Sunday morning at church. It's got to be seven days a week. The world has got to see a difference. Amen? Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, Mm-mm, but be transformed. Praise the Lord. I'm just going to close with prayer. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you for your word. We thank you for sending your son. We thank you that we didn't get what we deserve. That where our sin abounded, grace much more abounded. We thank you for being merciful to us. So if you're here this morning, and you've not accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, today is your day. You have come at the right time. Now I'm just going to lead you through a prayer. Be the best decision of your life. In fact, your life will start over brand new today. So if that's you, I'm not going to call you up front, but if that's you, I'm going to pray with you. So if you say, Today's my day. I'm ready to surrender. I'm ready to ask Jesus to come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior. Right there where you're sitting, I just ask you to open your eyes where I can see you or slip a hand up so I'll know to pray with you. All right. House full of believers. That's good. We all going to heaven. So, Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that you give us to lead us, to guide us every way, to hold our hand, to strengthen us. Father, thank you for the strength to return good for evil. Thank you for fighting our battles. Thank you for giving us your word to stand on and build our lives on. We thank you for it. We praise you for it. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. And we're leaving out and going home today better than we came in. And it's in the name of Jesus that we all agree and that we all pray. Amen and amen. Well, amen. Let me remind you, Monday night, 6.30, women's Bible study. Wednesday night, 6.30.